Welcome to the Grand Rapids Local History Podcast. I'm Matthew Ellis. I'm Jessica Kroll. And I'm Travis. Get out your trapper keepers and number two pencils, because today we're going to go back to elementary school. So schools uh, in the Grand Rapids area, we thought this would be an interesting uh, topic to cover. And uh, we, we figured we could educate ourselves on some schools. Definitely. So um, I found a, a neat article that kind of gives some summaries uh, of, you know, the uh, 1850s to uh, just before 1900 about, about different schools. And, and some of the things that they mentioned in this article um, directly correlate to things that happen today, which I always think is, is, is uh, to me, that's one of my favorite parts of history is seeing that, that repetition, if you will, or that we're, we're not struggling with something that no one else has dealt with. Um, so this is from historygrandrapids.org uh, called Keeping with, Up with the Kids by Diana Barrett. Uh, and, and she writes, uh, John Ball reported that school population in 1856 was 760. Wow. And then 12 wow. years later, in 1868, the school census shows 2,931 scholars between the age of 5 and 20 years, with an increase of almost 500 between 1967 and 1968, which wow. is fascinating. Here's, here's my favorite part of, of this quote from, from John Ball. There is no doubt that this increase by immigration and otherwise will continue for some years. So this is a period of time when apparently Grand Rapids is growing and they're struggling with this growth and, and how do they, they school children. Um, the, the superintendent in 1968, E.A. Strong, uh, wrote in his superintendent's report, while we congratulate ourselves upon the completion of the new central school, which we'll touch on later, let us not forget that our schools have barely kept pace with the material and social advancement of the people and that our progress in wealth and population are so rapid that great diligence will always be required to keep the schools upon a level with the physical condition of our population. So I, I can appreciate that coming from a superintendent. Um, hey guys, we're getting really rich. Our population's exploding. Let's not forget about schools. Uh, which, again, I, there may be some commonplace themes between uh, yesteryear and today. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there were a couple of other really interesting things. Uh, the school board wanted to be frugal. And they were like, we've got a population that doubles every 10 years. And so they started building basements uh, at the South Division Street School. Um, 10 years later, even more space was needed. And uh, and then between 1865 and 1872, some wooden schools were replaced with brick buildings. And um, when the Grand Rapids Board of Education was formed in 1871, there was some consolidations. Uh, again, Central School was, uh, was kind of named. And uh, at that point in time, they, they had 11 schools, seven from the east side, and three from the west side. And I'm curious, Matt, do you know if there would have been population differences between the east side and the west side? And I think of the west side as predominantly immigrants who are working probably at that time um, in industry. Mm -hmm. And it was the poor, the flooded side, right? Um, and, and it struck me that there was only three schools on the west side. Would there have been a difference in population numbers or just population income? 
there there was a difference in population um looking back to our to our annexation the the west side was smaller when grand rapids was first incorporated and it was only until later that it grew um through annexation and and also um the the west side they didn't necessarily had the financial means to send their children to school. It was it was the the Heritage Hill area that saw saw the largest um, increase in school population. Because uh, the West Side population had to send their kids to work, or yeah, there, I, I saw one um, source that said that. Um, businesses were complaining to central that their students who who were working didn't have enough education and central started to look through its roles and found that these um uh workers hadn't actually gone to central but were saying that they had um and so it, it sounds like a lot of the children who were from the um, working class or the the um, from immigrant families that were that were growing because of the furniture industry that they weren't able to go to school. Thank you for answering that question. I, I think I started off kind of in the middle of the historical part, um, so I apologize for that. Uh, I was just super excited. No, I, I think it's I think it's great. I think it really. Started. I, I think it centers because I, I think the, those themes of the education needing to keep up with the growth of the city and also the the um, business aspects of the city, um, as we'll see later, um, some of the changes that happened to the school system were because um, in, influential Grand Rapids business um, leaders saw that there was a need for more educated students but we can we can we can go back to the beginning uh the the early early days um uh there was a um quote in albert baxter's history of grand rapids that um the educational spirit distinguishes grand rapids um and he says that as as soon as um, the village was established, that education became important to the to the early settlers. Um, there was a few what were called uh, missions on the west side where Native Americans would learn, and the children on the east side of the river were bussed over so to say, uh, across the river to attend these mission schools. And this would have been 1820s, 1830s? Yeah, yeah, 1820s. It was um, Reverend Isaac McCoy, who, who's, it seems, started the first mission. Uh, it was just a, a log building, and it, it was, some sources called it the Thomas Mission. Um, but it supposedly opened Christmas Day in 1826. And then uh, Reverend uh, uh, Leonard Slater um, 
took over the school after Isaac McCoy, and and he took over in 1927. And it's it's probably fair to assume that their curriculum was not, um, it was different than what we would think of curriculum today, correct? Correct. Yeah, it was it it was probably a lot less structured. Um, the the school system didn't implement a, a grade system until 1859, um, and the the first senior class, so the first high school class, um, graduated in 1862. So so quite a while, uh, almost 40 years after that first school or that first mission was opened. So Travis, you mentioned that the the school system it you know it started like the growth was rapid it was like went from 700 to 2000 i'm just trying to wrap my head around um how many schools were in the area at that time schooling 2000 kids because i grew up in a town of 2000 and we only had one public school so we had elementary middle and high school so it's just it's hard for me to wrap my head around like the size comparison between my small town and Grand Rapids and how they handled putting those kids in those different schools. I'm going to defer to to Matt on this uh so so he can correct me. But it it sounds like uh according to the Daily Eagle um they built basically barns and and quote the city ought to be ashamed of them as we're sure every citizen is. Um and actually, it talks about Baxter. Uh, they say he never mentioned them in there in his in his uh, history of the city, which was uh, in mm-hmm. 1891. But it looks like there were four ward schools, um, and I don't, I don't. Uh, Matt, can you fill in more blanks? Yeah. So they were. It was. They were basically like one room schoolhouses, um, and. They were they were in the area. So so one you had mentioned the um, uh, the Division Avenue school, what was it? Yeah, that was that that was kind of the um, descendant of one of these these schoolhouses. There was also the Wealthy Avenue school. Um, they weren't they weren't labeled as elementary. They weren't labeled as middle. They were always uh, like neighborhood centric so we had like the diamond avenue school um and uh, a good example of one of these is the coit avenue school um which was a a two-room schoolhouse and it was um uh, added on to over the years um but it was it was one of those early wooden structures and um, it it pretty much solely served the the neighborhood that it was located in, and then it wasn't until the 1850s when um, Central or what was called uh, Grand Rapids High School, and then what was um, Union on the west side. Once those were built, then students would go there to have more education so it was basically like uh solely just children um probably less like uh grades um 
one through eight. And then once those high schools started, then they were able to finish more schooling. But even then, all all the students would finish at Central. Um, so even even the Union High School, it opened in 1855, the same year as Central, but it only had grades up to 10th grade. Um, so they would then travel all the way from the west side to central to to finish up and that that's that's no small journey in those days you know they had to cross the river they had to go by horse or they had to to walk i imagine in some cases depending on their their circumstances um i i walked i walked to school uh so i can identify with that to some extent but i did live directly across the street I was going to say uphill both ways. (laughs) Yeah. No, there were no hills. It was flat. I mean, there was maybe a slight incline, but uh, certainly uh, I can identify with that long walk to school. I went through uh, the Grand Rapids public school system, and when I was a kid in the winter, my mom would um, pull me in a sleigh uh, to school (laughs) in in the mornings. So that was always fun. That does sound really fun. Yeah. (laughs) Lucky. Yeah. Um, uh, I never got to, to ride the bus, though. Um, so I missed out on all riding the bus stories as as a, a school child. And I don't know if that's good or bad. My, my guess is hearing anecdotes probably not the worst thing to have missed out on. Yeah, no. <laughs> Do you have a bus story, Jess? Um, not specifically. Like, I remember choking on some gum waiting for the bus once. That's, <laughs> that's like, what stands out the most. Um... Uh, waiting, you know, cold mornings, waiting for the bus to pull mm-hmm. up, no shelter, uh, you know, negative 20 degrees out. Um, I don't know. It was always just really intimidating being a little, I think I only rode the bus through elementary school, um, but it was really intimidating being like a little third grader sitting in the front of the bus with these huge, scary 12th graders at the back of the bus. And now I look at them and I'm like, what was I scared of? These oh. kids are tiny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Third grade. I would always try and like rush to find the the first available seat because I didn't wanna <laughs> didn't wanna miss out. Well, I appreciate you sharing some of those stories. I, I I'll never know what I missed. Uh, I did make up for it though uh, when when I went to college. I was able to go to college in part because there was a bus, and so I I took the number fifty um, uh, to the and 50. from Grand Rapids and and shared a lot of memories with a lot of folks. The best one. Um, it was a terrible winter day and, and the winter evening got even worse and we had a, an evening class in Allendale and a number of my fellow classmates uh, took the bus and we were heading back to Grand Rapids um, school was let out early or something like we ended at 8.30pm because they were shutting the bridge down on Lake Michigan Drive <laughs> and, and, and if you know anything about that geography that, that area like that's one of the main areas over the the grand river right there's only mm-hmm. a few others to the north and the south well we went north we went through lamont and and it must have been amazing to see a number 50 driving through lamont i don't know that it's happened since i don't know that it's happened before um but we were able to entertain ourselves i think we we as a bus we sang some karaoke and and uh kind of hung out for the hour and a half ride it took for us to get to to downtown campus so those stories I, I definitely have in abundance, but uh, 
no third grade stories on the bus <laughs> for me. Travis, have you ever, have you ever seen uh, Billy Madison? Um, so both of you should know by now that that there is a massive gap in my pop culture uh, knowledge. Um, and it's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. Uh, right. You know, we grew up without a TV. Um, at some point, we got a TV and then would rent the VHS player and, and VCR tapes from the library. Um, so, you know, we, we really didn't watch a lot of media. Um, and, you know, I, I still have no desire to go back and catch up on those mm-hmm. 90s uh, pop culture mm-hmm. movies because I don't think I'm missing that much. Uh, so to answer your question, I have never seen it. <laughs> well, it, it's just about a, a a guy going back to school to see what he missed. Um, so maybe you could do the same with buses. I'll, I'll <laughs> get definitely a, get wanna, a few few school buses. I'll definitely want to check with my legal department before I'm just showing up to the bus stop. <laughs> but it's good to know that's an option. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you again, sir. You're not on this bus. Um, imagine the seniors that would be intimidated by me. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. None. None. That'd be great. The high school high school classes um, were pretty small at first. Um, Central, the first senior class, graduated in 1862. Um, guess how many? Guess how many were in that class? This is a trick question. Because I'm looking yeah. at the notes you sent. Me too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, it's it's so, not a trick question. So I'm gonna guess uh, ten. I'll guess fifteen. It was thirteen. Oh, we were both very close. Yeah. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for humoring me. What was uh, what was special about that first graduating class besides it being the first? Yeah. So it was um, all um, female students. Um, all of the boys were in the army and away due to the Civil War. That's a really good reminder. Um, Michigan sent a decent amount of humans to fight in the Civil War, correct? Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting that it, it you know, I'm sure that boys in Grand Rapids, I'm sure for folks other areas north and south and east all... Uh, volunteered or were voluntold uh mm-hmm. to do their thing so i think that's a great reminder so uh only girls yeah matt do you um, know how old the the senior class was like was it a typical 17 18 or were they younger or older than that um i'm not sure we don't have any um photographs of them i don't think at least at least in the archives um, I would imagine that they, it was pretty typical, typical ages, probably maybe like a high of 17, um, somewhere around there. Kind of puts it in perspective a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Central High uh, is is still present. It's still being used. Um, it's a beautiful building, um, not ADA compliant in any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> at least not in the auditorium. Um, because it was built so long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Is this the is this the original the the one that we can see on Fountain Street? Is that the original Central High? So it's not the original. So there was there's a few different iterations. Uh, in in 1855, there was a two story stone building, 
Um, and that was eventually replaced um, in 1868 with a new high school. But that new high school was built on Barclay near Lyon. Um, so it was, it was a little ways away. Um, and that eventually was turned into um, Grand, Rapids, Grand Rapids uh, Junior College, which was the uh, precursor to uh, GRCC. Nice. Yeah, and uh, for a while they shared they shared the building, um, so Central and um, Grand Rapids Junior College were there. What a great um, a, a great legacy of the educational systems in the heart of Grand Rapids to have you know, yeah to have that yeah. bond. Then the the new building um, that's there currently was built in 1910. Um, it's been it's been added to a ton over the years. Uh, most notably in 1979, there's that. Uh, uh, western portion of the building um, that's that's uh, that was built in that time and and in between its construction and renovation um, a, a number of fairly notable Americans spoke there this was the point where I was hoping Matt you would jump in and fill in the blanks um, I know specifically of uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt was was at the building and uh, some other terrific Americans also were there. Jess, which other ones were they? Uh, I don't know. I I don't know either. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not uh, I, I know um, uh, folks from the um, national suffrage movement spoke there. Um, uh, astronauts have always uh, um, come to Grand Rapids to spoke. We had we had two astronauts from the uh, Grand Rapids public school system that that came back and and spoke at. So, uh, so astronauts uh, would have made sense. Uh, Roger B. Chaffee was uh, yeah. a, a notable alum. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, and like I said, I know uh, I know Teddy Roosevelt spoke there. Um, Apparently, uh, William, Taft. Yeah, William Howard Taft. Yeah, yeah. So all it took was us for us to to do a little googling to to fill in the blanks for me. There's quite a yeah. There's quite a long list of notable alumni. Speaking of Grand Valley, uh, Ralph Hallenstein, uh, who has his name on oh, several, several different buildings and funds uh, some great programs at Grand Valley currently, uh, was there. Pretty crazy. Uh, pretty crazy how you could be uh, just the an average human. Um, in in the 1930s or 1940s, go to war, uh, and come back and become filthy rich. I don't know. I just think that's interesting. Again, something I'll cut. Yeah. But it surprised me. It's much harder, in, from my perspective and opinion, it's just much harder to do that these days. So I did find a uh, a really interesting Michigan radio article um, by Dustin Dwyer about um, Jesse B. Davis. Um, he he didn't grow up in the city. Um, he, he was born in Chicago and grew up in Detroit. But he came to Grand Rapids in 1907 to become the principal of Central High School. Um, and he was really the one that started to um, kind of standardize the education. Um, he looked into the 
the needs of the business community and worked with um, city leaders and um, business leaders to see what they needed out of students because um, the the business leaders kept complaining that their their workers weren't educated enough um, and so he instituted what he called uh, a more practical education um, and so this is when central and it's still it's still somewhat uh, renowned for this today uh, achieved a more uh, technical training. This Jesse B. Davis asked the city to to approve funds, and so they they put four ballot measures out there to to the city to try and um, fund school improvements, um, more vocational training, but they weren't able to, uh, and so they had to kind of reshape how the board of education was formed. Originally, it was each uh, neighborhood would vote for its school board member, but they changed it so that the entire city would vote on all of the school board members. And this allowed them to kind of internally change the way the school was funded. Part of the reason why it it wasn't the the funds were originally not able to vote for was because the working class were concerned that the brunt of the funding would fall on them and they didn't necessarily reap all the benefits of of the education because a lot of it was still reserved for the more affluent uh, citizens i i can understand that i can understand that perspective um i don't agree with it i don't you know mm-hmm. th- that shouldn't have been the case but i also yeah. understand their perspective and then and this really kind of put grand rapids on the map for vocational training there was a, a national group called the national vocational guidance association that was really fundamental in promoting these programs and it was founded in grand rapids it had its founding meeting in grand rapids in 1913 and uh, the herald had an interesting uh uh kind of poignant quote when when this took place they said that grand rapids will be of interest to every city in the united states where modern methods in education prevail so it seemed like grand rapids was was really trying to be on the forefront of providing um these more practical education i, I suppose and and i can understand the the perspectives um especially if if you're you know industrial and, and that's kind of your base is industry. Um, you don't maybe need folks to go to, to college per se, mm-hmm. but it's in your best interest for your business to see these, these folks at least educated to the high school level and then mm-hmm. perhaps have maybe a junior college nearby to continue some education should that be needed and, and maybe tie in that vocational trade aspect um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I understand from the business perspective why that would be wanted and why they would would move towards that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, we have a, a really interesting record in the archives. It's a um, it's a 1866 school attendance record, and it shows the types of classes that were taught, and and some of them were normal. There was like trigonometry and geometry and history but then there was what they called rhetoric there was a astronomy class there was oh i can't think of the other the other names but they they all seemed 
just a little uh, old-fashioned in the way that the uh, the, the classes were, were set up and taught. But then when this change to Central took place in the turn of the century, we have uh, a yearbook uh, from 1902, and it showed that students then had to pick a concentration somewhat like they do now in, in college. And, and so they had uh, four, four concentrations, it looked like. They had uh, engineering, science, uh, language, and commercial was the last one. And, and so, so it's, it seems like students had to pick one of these four focuses, and, and that's what they would get their education in. That's very similar to um, how schools are structured in Europe, which is very interesting that the, you know, obviously they eventually moved away from that. But yeah, that's, that's how I know, at least in Germany, schools are structured like that. Yeah, I, I, uh, Germany has a really strong vocational program as well. So basically, by the time you're out of high school, maybe you have an internship somewhere in, in your, your strength. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're trained from a fairly young age to, to be really good at things. Correct. Uh, from, from what I remember. Yeah. So you'll, you'll go to elementary school like normal, and then you basically pick your, your path and you'll go to a different school based on what you want to do. So if you want to be a teacher, you'll go to a high school that focuses on teaching. If you want to be a mathematician, you'll go to a high school that focuses on math. Um, it's been a while since I've learned about the education in Germany, but from what I remember, yes, uh, you're trained from a very young age to be good at something. Not me. I'm still I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely see I can definitely see pros and cons. Uh, you know, if you know really early on what you want to focus on, then it seems like it would be great. But if you're uh, indecisive and choosing a, a career path i can see where that would cause some problems i came up and i'm going to trademark this right now but i want to trademark maybe a quarterly publication called pros and cons and it's about writing and also negative aspects so p-r-o-s-e and cons okay <laughs> i like it i like it trademark um, I think that if I had been forced to choose a path when I was in like fifth, sixth grade, I would be, I would be, I would be very unhappy with the choice that I would have made. Um, I definitely wouldn't be where I am now. I agree. Same. Yeah. I, th I think the ability to be flexible is, is mm -hmm. wonderful and, and go ahead and reinvent yourself if you choose to do so. Um, I, I think that's really important, but I also don't think that, you know, maybe you would have been pigeonholed quite as bad as you would you would have had exposure to folks who were skilled trades or electricians um, engineers things of that nature probably through your familial connections and maybe your uncle said you'd be a great engineer maybe you would i don't know I, to mm -hmm. me i don't think it would have been done in isolation and there may have been uh some discussions but I do appreciate the ability to reinvent yourself. So, so schools, uh, Central was a big one. Uh, Jesse B. Davis was was fairly prominent in education for some time. He didn't stay at in Grand Rapids forever, but he did move on to do national things. Correct? He kind of mm -hmm. did speaking tours and things of that nature. Yeah, um, and and he kind of ushered in what what I refer to as the. Um the Henry H. Turner era, 
of of public schools in Grand Rapids, and this is this is when the city was again growing very rapidly. There was a um, an influx of people coming into the city. Um, this is when city planning started to to grow. Um, this is you know the the annexation was was ramping up again and uh, school districts were absorbed places like uh, Congress elementary was absorbed and there was just a, a kind of flurry of school building and uh, the large majority were designed by uh, Henry H Turner Some places like uh, Elger Elementary Diamond Elementary Congress Elementary you you mentioned Congress uh that's obviously still in use was a nuclear fallout shelter still has the sign on yeah. it. um really unique architecture and i mean nationally as a school it's 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 noted for its uniqueness mm-hmm. um, i lived near congress elementary and we would take advantage one summer specifically we took advantage of the space outside and, and would play hacked to gather games of soccer if you will um, it was definitely not soccer. We were just socializing and having a great time. Um, but what was unique about it is in the neighborhood, kids started coming out and standing on the sidelines. And these were, you know, five, eight, ten-year-olds. And and we we joined them every week or so. They'd, they'd come out and we'd say, come on in. And these kids would start playing. And they were so much better than us that we couldn't have a small kids versus slightly grown adults <laughs> because they would have crushed us. Um, but after a few weeks, their parents started coming out and, and older siblings, and it became this really, really fun neighborhood game of not really soccer, but soccer. You know, and of course, the, the little kids would get a ball right in the face because they're small and, and we're big. Uh, but they'd stand back up and shake it off and get right back out there. And um, it was just a lot of fun. So when I think of Congress Elementary, I think of its uniqueness <laughs> and also um, some little kid just taking a soccer ball to the face. Uh, <laughs> but it was uh, it was a really unique kind of a community thing that it kind of started off organically. Um, there was there was a language barrier um, that we worked around and it was just really enjoyable to hang out in that summer it was the only summer we did it but um very enjoyable yeah it's it's a it's a great school i went to congress for uh the first three years of my my schooling it's where they had um the montessori program sure first um so there yeah there's a flurry of of building um and then it it kind of died down um due to uh, two reasons, but uh, I, I did want to mention um, a few of the schools that were that were built during this time. So S- South High School um, was the first high school that was built later on, and it was uh, dedicated and opened in 1916. And just two years later, its first class graduated. Um, so this is probably students that would have been sent to Central to finish up their education. Um, now could uh, graduate from South. Um, and it was um, pretty renowned. It, it, has, it has a very, very active um, alumni uh, network. Um, it's 
located on Hall. It, it's a big school. Uh, 1921 and 24 um, additions were added. Uh, some new classroom uh, um, features were added. Uh, gym was added. Um, 1930, they added an auditorium. Um, but South High School is most notable because that is where Gerald R. Ford went to school. Oh, nice. When he was in, when he lived in Grand Rapids, when he grew up here. After South and uh, Creston, Creston opened. Creston opened in 1920. The Creston Neighborhood Association, and and I think we mentioned in an earlier episode that the PTA was really involved in promoting these these schools to be built. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Creston Neighborhood Association and the PTA in that area uh, began calling for a new new high school in that part of town. As, as early as 1912, but it wasn't until 1920 that Creston was built, and that is still there today. I, th- I think it's a beautiful, beautiful school. The I, architecture. I concur. They they added uh, two two really big additions, one in 1928 and and another later on in 1978. But uh, Creston, um, we we have in the archives uh, a cool a couple really cool old um, trophies. They were very renowned for their athletics. Um, so they have these old, like, 1930s trophies that are really ornate. And you have the trophies but, themselves, not yeah. just images? Yeah, yeah, the trophies themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah, they always had uh, sc- schools uh, always like to to display their trophies in, in cabinets. But uh, Creston eventually did close, and it was replaced by a, a city high school. City was originally kind of uh, right next to Central High School, and it was I, I saw that it was it, it was like a preparatory school for the whole school system where the students wanted to acquire college credit simultaneously. I, I'm, I'm not super sure on how they how they decided who went there, but there was a, there was kind of a blocky um, red brick building on the corner of fountain and college where city used to be and then they moved to the old creston high school another another school was the uh george a davis vocational and technical high school he was not related to the uh, jesse b davis but he was a um influential business leader he was the president of stowe and davis furniture factory in the city so he kind of championed this this new high school and it was the fifth public high school um in the city uh built in 1922 um didn't open until 1924 but it wasn't open for very long later on in this in this kind of era two two factors caused uh, quite a lot of uh um distress for for the schools one was the depression uh put a uh real pressure on funds and then the second was war uh, a lot of high school age students who were over the legal age uh, went off to world war Two. and i'm sure it wasn't just students it would have been teachers teachers and yeah yeah and yeah 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 my uh side note my father uh retired from what was stowe and davis oh cool many years ago yeah, he worked in the building that was, I mean, when they were still located on the Grand River, he worked in that space. So, Very cool. 
He may um, say not they, so cool, but uh, yeah, they they also had a uh, a pretty um, active alumni group early on. They they tried to um, have the school reopened after the war in uh, 1952, but uh, that that effort uh, didn't work. Do you do you know uh, details on why it may have failed? Would it would it have been uh, suburbanization or um, other factors? Probably a mix, a mix of all the factors. I mean, at that point, Ottawa Hills had been built. the The West Side Union had, had grown. Uh, there may have been so, less demand yeah. for vocational schools, perhaps. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there was um, a big baby boom after World War Two, and so that kind of necessitated the need for more elementary and middle schools. Right. Um, so maybe the combination of of that plus the suburbanization, um, but that kind of led into the the, the next era, um, which which um, I and I guess uh, a few other local historians called the Park Schools era, and this is um, kind of started in 1951 with a, a new public schools millage, but it was really distinguished for how the schools were organized. The Grand Rapids Public School Board and the um, Grand Rapids Parks Department partnered to place schools in some of the large public parks. Um, and so this is how we have parks like Mulek Park, Elementary, Riverside, um, how we we uh, built East Leonard. Um, and so they had a really, and this and this agreement is still, is still on today, where they have a parks, uh, like a um, cost sharing agreement yeah um to maintain the parks and so it provides yeah grps owns a lot of land yeah yeah um but quite a lot of quite a lot of schools were built in that in that time and some some were uh some of the older buildings were replaced uh um, diamond elementary which was originally on the corner of fountain and diamond right next to Hausman Field. It was just, it was too old to to realistically maintain in that time. And so they demolished it and built Hillcrest Elementary across, kind of across uh, the way um, on the other side of Fuller where they have that great dog park. Yeah, it is a great dog park. Yeah. I'm also glad Hausman Field uh, is still in existence. I think that's a really unique piece of history to have a you know, a high school space that's dedicated to sports and athletics for a number of different mm-hmm. schools. Uh, yeah. In that midtown neighborhood, in essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember uh, I used to do a high school band, and I remember uh, marching on, on Hausman Field and playing in the beach, the, the bleachers. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, fun, it's a fun space. Um, what what else de- defined the parks school era, if you will? The the buildings themselves were all very unique. They wanted each one to be kind of representative of the neighborhood that it was in, and so each kind of had a, a distinctive uh, flavor, if you will. And and those buildings are still still around today and still operated as schools, like Mulek Park. I used to have this fascination with one-room schoolhouses because I loved Little House on the Prairie growing Mm -hmm. up. Um, And I grew up 
in a very rural area between Lansing and Jackson. So it's all farmland in that area. And there were a lot of one room schoolhouses. Like you, you can almost not, you can't drive anywhere without seeing one on the back roads. Like there's one down the street from me. There's one near my grandparents' house, but I don't think that I have ever seen one still standing in the Grand Rapids area where they're you know, because you mentioned two-room schoolhouses, or some of them were yeah. even bigger at the beginning. So, were there any? Are there still any standing? There, there were originally, but I don't know if there are any that are still still standing. Um, there was a, a German schoolhouse on the west side of the Grand River um, that I think was the last be torn down um and that was um torn down i believe to make room for the uh, gerald r ford museum um okay but i don't i don't i'm not sure if there are any still standing i i don't i don't think they are i think the ones that were standing were rebuilt when those districts were annexed um or they uh were demolished early on the fires were a big problem um because all the schools were were heated by uh um stoves and and uh, mm -hmm. furnaces and stuff like that and so like uh, huff elementary um, had a one-room schoolhouse that they kind of added on to over the years, but that was uh, burned down and then replaced by a bigger building. So I'm I, just kind of surprised. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised that I haven't seen any that are now houses because that's what a lot of people from where I'm from do. They just, they give them a new life and they turn them into a house. Or there's there's one close to where I grew up called the Little Pink Schoolhouse where... Um, they do like reenactments and stuff, and I got a harmonica from there once, and it was really cool. What color is that? Uh, it's pretty pink. That's good, good, <laughs> good, good for them. Yeah. Um, same thing uh, too. Uh, further out on on the the west side, west of Grand Rapids, between Grand Rapids and Lake Michigan, uh, same thing. You can drive around back roads, and and there's a lot of one room what probably used to be schoolhouses. Maybe not a lot, but you can certainly find them uh, on your travels to and from bigger spots. And um, I'm not opposed to it. I guess if you really, really like the open concept idea, you'll love them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, would, the, I would um, imagine they build walls. Yeah, um, there was a, there was a big push um, in the um, early 20th century for what they called open air schools, where they they would just uh, leave all the windows open to kind of prevent the infectious diseases that were ravaging the the country, uh, like tuberculosis and uh, smallpox. That seems, and so they called yeah. That seems eerily familiar to something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it looks like they're the the only one room schoolhouse that is Grand Rapids adjacent is in uh, Granville. Uh, looks like they have a, a one-room schoolhouse still standing. Okay, I've probably driven past it then. Matt, do you know if it's privately owned or if it's still uh, a public space? 
Uh, looks like it is operated by the uh, Granville Historical Society, oh, good, I believe. Good. That's a perfect, perfect spot for that. Oh, actually, nope. Now it's a, it's a church now. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. I know where that is. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was one room, though. It looks bigger than one room. Like maybe two rooms? I don't know, maybe even bigger than that. Did, did they called it a one-room schoolhouse, but yeah, would, it, would. it served kindergarten through eighth grade. That seems like it would take one more more than a, a few rooms. Yeah, that's a good point. What, did Grand Rapids have any two-room schoolhouses? Yeah, yeah, plenty. Um, they they all kind of started as either one or two rooms. Um, there was one uh, Coldbrook Elementary that started as a two-room schoolhouse. There was one on uh, Three Mile. Um, that was the precursor to, um, was it Three Mile? It was, it was in that vicinity, uh, that was the precursor to North Park Elementary. Okay. Um, started as a one-room schoolhouse. Speaking of, speaking of North Park, uh, we had mentioned that school in our annexation Mm -hmm. episode, I believe. They were, uh, the latest addition to, um, Grand Rapids. They were annexed. And the, the entire school district was annexed. And so their their records are actually some of the earliest we have from 1859 because they had their own school board, um, their own organization. But it was annexed, uh, and so it became part of the Grand Rapids school system. And you said, we'll take those records and save them. Yeah, yes, yeah, and we do. Good for you, good for um, you. Yeah, uh, one of, one of, I think one of the coolest school records are yearbooks. I, th- I think they're just fascinating to look through. The The more recent ones are funny because of people's school quotes. The old ones are, are so ornate and and just the the way they, they did them. They had uh, a 1902 central yearbook. They had a, what they called the school prophecy that was 67 stanzas of poetry that went through like each stanza was about a student and what they would do in their life oh my um and uh, i just thought it was so so creative and so ornate to have a like a like a epic almost like hiawatha uh for for this high school uh (laughs) the old yearbooks make our yearbooks look less uh less funny so what i can appreciate that yeah yeah <laughs> i'm not finding it right now but i did find my grandmother's um senior yearbook quote she was born in 36 so she would have graduated in 54 um and it said something about she was married by the time she graduated and it said something about dishwater keeping a ring clean oh my Just, yeah <laughs> How things have changed. Yeah. Um, I did want to touch on um, Ottawa Hills High School. They had a, I I think, one of the coolest um, school buildings in Ottawa Hills neighborhood. It was very ornately decorated. Um, They had kind of like motifs surrounding the entire building. Beautiful columns that they outgrew that building. Um, and that became Ottawa Elementary, and then eventually it became Ottawa Montessori, and then uh, uh, half was Ottawa Montessori, and then half was Iroquois. But that is where I went to uh, grade school after finishing up at 
Congress. And it's a beautiful building. Uh, Ottawa Hills was rebuilt uh, uh, at a bigger location so in 1972. And so they kind of moved out of the Ottawa Hills neighborhood and uh, onto, um, I believe that is Burton, that they are on now. And it's uh, recently renovated. But they have a nice facility, too. And they have a wonderful archives there at uh, Ottawa Hills, um, or at least a, a, a wonderful collection. Yearbooks, scrapbooks, some very cool records there. Did you appreciate uh, this? the schools, uh, both Congress and Ottawa, uh, beautiful spaces did you appreciate those as a child or did it take you a few years to, to grow? oh yeah yeah I, I always thought i always liked looking at the uh the little sculptures they had and nice um i was i was that kind of nerd well you know someone <laughs> has to be yeah yeah but that uh that building uh the ottawa hills elementary uh, that was eventually torn down um uh school is still in that space though um i think that uh part of the uh, Christian school system. Uh, any other uh, schools that, that struck you as, as unique or worth noting? Yeah, there was a, a park school, which was on uh, Fuller and Boston, I want to say. And that was uh, solely for, it was a high school solely for pregnant um, teens. And this and, was unique yeah. in the city? Or unique in the area? I think so. I, I didn't see any references to other... It, and it lasted for quite a while. I mean, it, it was operated, it operated from 1955 to the 1990s. So, so and I'm trying to, to piece together these time frames. Um, 1955 would have certainly fit in with, with the post-World War II boom mm-hmm. um, of, mm-hmm. of humans, right? Uh, yeah. This wasn't like an alternative high school per se it was just a high school if you happen to be pregnant which you might have been because you might have married your high school sweetheart or your junior high sweetheart before they went to the war Um, yeah yeah this was not and i'm asking was this seen as um derogatory if you will like were you looked down upon if you were a pregnant teen in that high school or was were there less um social judgments of that nature I'm not sure. It. My guess is that it wasn't as derogatory, and and it was more out of necessity because schools didn't really have facilities early on to handle different circumstances. It was only until in the middle of the century, and um, for most of the schools, some of the schools were early, but to to be able to fully give a good education to um, handicapped children. There was in um, Eastern Elementary, they had a good one floor was their orthopedic school. And that was for for students that were missing limbs or were in wheelchairs. Um, And that school was really on the forefront. Um, They worked uh, with Mary Freebed to, to be able to provide a really equitable education for these students. Where, where previously they, they either couldn't couldn't be in school or couldn't get to school now now they really were be were able to um, so it's it sounds like the middle of the century is when they really started building specific buildings to provide education for full education for these students so it's possible that that the reason why they built this uh, high school for pregnant teens was was in that vein 
Okay. But I'm, I don't know. Um, so those are definitely unique spaces. There has to be one or two more that stood out to you. One one of the things that stood out, I think we, we would be remiss to, to mention the, the changes that were brought about due to the closing of South High School. It was primarily closed due to um, efforts to fully integrate um, students. South was, was at that time predominantly African-American and they decided to close the school to then bus South High School students to the other three high schools, um, Central Union and Creston, I believe. Um, and this and this was this was very controversial in the time. This this led in some instances to, um, or it was is one of the factors uh, in those nineteen um, sixties riots. Eventually, the school became a middle school. It was a West Middle School at the time, um, and then that building is still used today as the Gerald R. Ford Job Corps Building. There are a few other really unique schools, like what I would consider the. JLR Ford Job Corps building. There's a there's a museum school. There is a zoo school. Oh um, yeah. So there's some really neat things still happening. Yeah, there's um oh uh, Blandford had a had a school for a while, and the Kenoche Elementary was was really unique. Um, they utilized the the Kenoche trails um, quite a bit for their science classes. We have, we have some great photographs of them collecting uh, water samples and uh, uh, soil samples and stuff for their science classes for Ken O'Shea. I think it's neat that uh, Ken O'Shea uh, integrated you know, natural space into their curriculum. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that there was recently a grant approved for some improvements in that park, which maybe correlate uh, and can help foster some more education uh, in that nature. Um, Burton Elementary is walking distance to Plaster Creek Park, which also underwent some really neat renovations uh, recently, and and it was certainly a partnership between the school and the city, the Parks Department, um, and it, it to me it turned out really well, and, and I think kids are going to really enjoy it, and families are going to enjoy it, um, so I think it's neat to see that's probably going to be what's going to happen uh, with with Kenoche as well. Yeah, I think the uh, the Grenoble's Public Museum School, or the the museum school as it's called, is a really really interesting innovation. We have uh, we have the high school portion of, that uh, kind of shares our building. We don't have access to that side, and they don't have access to our side. But but it's always really fun to see the the students uh, on their recess break, I guess, or their lunch break, playing uh, kick kickball or something in the the front of our building. Walking over it's, to uh, the law offices fun. and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the name of that law office? Cal- Caldwell. That the Calkins. The Calkins. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Office, yeah. Um, I wanted to briefly touch on higher education. If we are uh, when we're when we're done talking about grade schools yeah yeah definitely let's do it okay yeah i don't (laughs) know information so grand rapids is home to a bunch of higher education um institutions that i mean just look i'm literally just reading off the wikipedia page and i don't even think this lists um all of them that i know of but some of them are fully 
in the Grand Rapids city limits. Some of them just have campuses in Grand Rapids and some of them are just outside. Um, so there are private religious schools, which are Aquinas, which is uh, from what I can find the oldest college in Grand Rapids, um, Calvin University, Cornerstone University, Grace Bible College and Kuiper College. And then there are seminaries, which are the Calvin Theological Seminary, Grand Rapids Theological Seminary, and Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary. Uh, there's the Thomas M. Cooley Law School, which has a campus in GR. Uh, Northwood University has a campus in GR, but its main campus is in Midland. And then Davenport University is just outside of Grand Rapids in Caledonia. Uh, and then, of course, there's Grand Rapids Community College. Uh, Grand Valley State has a campus downtown. Go Lakers. Ferris State has a campus downtown. And they also have the Kendall College of Art and Design, which is super cool, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, WMU Western has a graduate program in the city. And then there's the Van Andel Institute, which is a cancer research institute. Medical Mile um, hosts the... Um, Michigan State University College of Human Medicine campus. There's also, it's not listed, but I know that there's a, a small college called Compass College, which is a film school in GR. I know a couple of people that graduated from there. But yeah, so there's there's quite a few higher education institutions within the city as well. It, it, should, yeah. be, it should be noted that uh, the Thomas M. Cooley Law School uh entered a partnership with Western Michigan a number a few years ago and I, and I believe that that agreement is is ending shortly so we'll see what happens with with that law school uh, downtown mm. but it has a, a, a wonderful little sitting area on the east side of their building and you're not too far from uh, a, a wonderful coffee shop across the street so I think it is interesting to note that the Grand Rapids Public School administration they are now in the old Kelvin uh, University campus. On Franklin there? Yep. I had no idea. That was It's a beautiful building. I love it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, very, very beautiful. Yep, that's where Kelvin used to be. Uh, Aquinas used to be downtown. Kelvin. Really? Yeah, yeah. Were they in the uh, current GRCC building, which used to be a Davenport building? No. Oh, okay. No, they were... Um, their their building was torn down. It was it was very early on. Okay, but I think I, th- I think Davenport used to be also on Aquinas's campus. Interesting. I, I know that uh, I know that they certainly had that space on the north side of Fulton, um, and Eastern maybe. I'm not sure the exact intersection there, just on top of the hill, and and they moved yeah. out to their Lettinga campus on M6 and Broadmoor, I believe. A yeah, I, I think. Ago, so. I think Aquinas shared the space with another college, but they were only there for maybe two years um, and just f- found themselves too landlocked to grow. Sure. Um, I, one note about uh, Kendall College of Art and Design, which uh, was, was bought by, by Ferris in the, the mid-2000s, um, the, the renovation work that was done to their current campus, uh, part of their current campus, uh, the old federal building, is, is remarkable. It's gorgeous, um, and more folks will get a chance to see the inside of it if you uh, want to go to the UICA, because that building was also owned by Ferris, the UICA, and uh, I believe they sold it for a, a mm-hmm. hefty sum uh, relatively recently, and kind of consolidating it into the old federal building, which used to be 
a federal building and uh yeah on the second floor there is still a, the the shape and size of a courtroom up there it was indeed a courtroom that's and, cool uh it's just wonderful wonderful space i've been in uh, i used to take some art classes at uh, kendall back when i was in high school oh cool it's a fun much, fun much space. cheaper when you're in high school isn't it yep 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 <laughs> Uh, one of the kind of like a side note, one, the executive director of the UICA is somebody that went to my high school and she was listed as one of the uh, 50 most influential women in Grand Rapids. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cer- certainly an accomplishment. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I guess in, from 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 my perspective, when I think of um, curators or museum directors, you know, they come from Europe or, you know, something of that nature. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a good for her that's it's no small feat yeah it's cool to see somebody you know somebody from my small town doing something so big it kind of it, it gives hope to a lot of people <laughs> that's for sure yeah <laughs> you don't have to be a farmer although we do need farmers they're very important true yes is yes mm-hmm. so how do we want to end it well that's all folks what did you say earlier did you say so how should we end this yeah maybe that's how we end everyone yeah, so like how that. should we end this so how should we and then noise from the cafe. Yeah, yeah. You know, just taper off uh, yeah. us droning on about local history. I like it. I think that, that I mean, that's what I would vote for, but um, my vote doesn't count for much. That's how I would end it. And, and we can play around with the ending, too. Uh, or we could since, since we, trick uh, them. And yeah, it just never ends. Not end. Yeah, we'll just, just pick right going. up at the next one. <laughs> oh, they're yeah. almost done. They yeah, they're, they're almost done. done. <laughs>